What is up, everybody? It is JT Sports. I am back to you guys with another episode of the JT Sports Podcast. On this episode, I'm here with my NFL Week 2 preview and predictions. Going to be giving my preview and predictions for the Las Vegas Raiders going on the road to take on the Pittsburgh Steelers. We have the Saints and the Panthers, the Chiefs taking on the Baltimore Ravens in my game of the week. And lastly, the Dallas Cowboys going on the road to take on Brandon Staley and the Los Angeles Chargers. Now, if you are a first-time listener of the podcast, make sure that you go ahead and follow me on my social media platforms. My Instagram and Twitter both are JTSports underscore. Once again, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at JTSports underscore. And lastly, make sure that you are subscribed to my YouTube channel, which is JTSports. Now, the first matchup that we have to talk about, we have the Las Vegas Raiders taking on the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers are entering this game as a five and a half point favorite at home. This game is going to be played 1 p.m. Eastern time on CBS. Both of these two teams won their week one matchups last week. The Raiders defeated the Ravens 33 to 27 in a really exciting game that came all the way down to the wire, which ended up having to go into overtime where the Raiders were able to pull off the victory. They got a big win at home in Vegas. Then you have the Pittsburgh Steelers who pulled off the upset victory against the Buffalo Bills on the road in Buffalo 23 to 17. Now, when you go back and you look at that Steelers game, okay, if you were a Raiders fan and you didn't watch the game and all you did was look at the stats, you would say, hey, JT, how the hell did the Pittsburgh Steelers find a way to beat Buffalo when the Bills outgained them 371 yards to 252 yards? Well, my friend, the Steelers played a pretty good game all around on the defense side of the football and on special teams. So when you look at the Pittsburgh Steelers heading into this game, how is this offense going to fare against the Las Vegas Raiders defense. Now, I'm not going to come out and say that the Raiders defense is, you know, completely improved over with Gus Bradley as defensive coordinator, but I am going to say that the Raiders played a pretty good game defensively last week against the Baltimore Ravens. And I don't want to overreact to anything that happened week one or really early in the season. Like, I need more time for me to fully come around to say, hey, yeah, the Raiders defense has improved under Gus Bradley. So I still need to see more. And I'm not saying this because I'm a hater of the Las Vegas Raiders, anything like that. Like, this is my philosophy when it comes to every single team in the NFL. You don't want to hop on the bandwagon too early. So I normally wait like a couple of weeks. So I need at least four or five more weeks to see just how improved this Raiders defense is. But this Raiders defense definitely does look pretty good. And I was really impressed with their pass rush, especially when you look at Max Crosby. Then you look at the way that he played against Charlie Villanueva, who formerly used to play for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I've been trying to tell Ravens fans that Charlie Villanueva is good when it comes to run blocking. But when it comes to pass protection, he got dominated a lot of times last year. So you look at the Pittsburgh Steelers offensive line, which is 
Not really all that great. You know, I was kind of disappointed with how the Steelers off the line performed last week, especially when it came to opening up running lanes for Najee Harris. And that's the next question that I have. Will the Steelers be able to get Najee Harris going? Now, one thing that I was really encouraged about was the fact that the Steelers were still really committed to running the football with Najee Harris, despite the fact that they didn't really have a lot of success. He had 16 carries for 45 rushing yards. He had a couple of you know, solid runs, but nothing really all that spectacular. Now, I think that he could be in for a better performance against the Las Vegas Raiders than what he did against Buffalo last week because last week the Steelers did try to get him a little bit involved in the passing game. Big Ben had a couple of short checkdowns that he tried to get the ball off to Najee Harris, but they simply just weren't on the same page. So hopefully Najee Harris will be a bigger factor in the passing game this week against the Las Vegas Raiders than what he was last week against the Buffalo Bills. Now, Everybody's talking about the Steelers off the line, but there's also some concerns when it comes to the off the line for the Las Vegas Raiders. You are trying to figure things out because you are kind of banged up on the offensive line and you're facing one of the best defensive lines in all of the NFL with the Pittsburgh Steelers. You have to worry about TJ Watt. You have to worry about Cam Hayward. You have to worry about Stephon Tewitt. You also have to worry about Alex Highsmith. Melvin Ingram, like the Steelers deep to line played phenomenal last week against the Buffalo Bills. And if you were to ask me the question, okay, JT, out of the Raiders or the Steelers, which off the line are you the most concerned about heading into this game? I probably will have to go with the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, I'm not saying this because I believe that the Raiders off the line is worse than the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm not saying that. The reason why I'm more concerned about the Raiders off the line in this game than I am the Pittsburgh Steelers is simply for the fact that the Steelers deep to line is really good. Now, I'm not trying to say this to take anything away from the Las Vegas Raiders defense line, but Raiders fans know and everybody else knows that the Steelers defense line is better than Las Vegas, which is why I have bigger concerns there for the Las Vegas Raiders because the Steelers pass rush is going to be really good. So when I look at Las Vegas, okay, and you have the injury concerns that you have on the off the line. Going against one of the best deep lines in the NFL, I definitely feel like there's a lot of room to be concerned there. And I'm concerned about Pittsburgh's offensive line as well, but not as concerned as I would be for the Las Vegas Raiders, simply for the fact that the Raiders' defensive line isn't as good as the Steelers' defensive line is. Not saying that there shouldn't be any concerns because you do have to worry about Max Crosby. You also have a couple of other guys coming back. Maybe you get Cleveland Farrell back, Yonk and Gakwe. So, you know... Um, if you're the Raiders, I feel like you have to be more balanced this week than what you were last week against Baltimore. Now, Josh Jacobs, like, I don't think he was 100%. Like, I think, like, he had, like, some illnesses or something that he was dealing with. So, I don't really think it was 100%. So, I think that kind of affected, you know, what John Gruden wanted to do. But John Gruden was too heavily reliant on the passing game. You got you to gotta be a little bit more balanced. But Darren Waller had a monster game. He had 10 receptions for 105 receiving yards. He caught a touchdown as well. And how are the Steelers going to defend Darren Waller? Now, I have Darren Waller on my fantasy football squad. And yes, I will be starting him in this game because you're not going to stop Darren Waller. Like, 
The same thing I said last week when the Steelers were going against Stephon Diggs. You're not going to stop Stephon Diggs. The only thing you can do is contain him. And that's what the Pittsburgh Steelers did. They did a really good job against Stephon Diggs. Like, yeah, Stephon Diggs still got his, but you're not going to completely shut down a player like Stephon Diggs caliber. The only thing you can do is try to slow him down. So same thing goes for Darren Waller. If the Steelers can keep Darren Waller to under 100 receiving yards, I think that's a win. Now, what are you going to do? Are you going to match him up with Devin Bush because Devin Bush is known for how good he is in coverage. He does have pretty good speed. Or are you going to try to put Minka Fitzpatrick on him? Or are you going to try to have a similar approach to what Baltimore try to do? Play him underneath a linebacker? Have a safety over the top? Don't really know. But Darren Waller is a matchup nightmare because not only do they play him in that tight end, but they also have him lining up across all kinds of different, you know, positions amongst the formation. Sometimes he'll play wide receiver. Like, it's just a nightmare trying to defend Darren Waller. So the Steelers are not going to slow down Darren Waller. All the Steelers can do is hope to contain Darren Waller. And I think if the Steelers can keep him to under 100 receiving yards, then I think that is a win. Now, how is Derek Carr and Big Ben going to perform? Because Big Ben... Um, he didn't really have the greatest game last week against Buffalo. I mean, he did what he needed to do to win the football game. But obviously, if you're Pittsburgh, you need more out of the running game because Big Ben in this stage of his career isn't going to be able to carry you to a win every single week. And when you look at the quarterbacks who have the most success at the age that Big Ben is at, They're able to have that success because they're able to have legitimate running games. They're able to have some balance on offense. So I think it's really important that Pittsburgh gets that run game going. Now, if you are a Raiders fan, you feel really confident about how your run defense is going to be. Because I feel like the Raiders run defense... I feel like he could have been better, but I feel like he did a pretty good job. I know when you go back and you look at the stats, you're going to see 189 rushing yards. But if you take away the 86 rushing yards that Lamar Jackson had, okay, I feel like they didn't do all too shabby because Lamar Jackson is going to get his regardless. So when you look at the Raiders, you're looking at, okay, JT, like, I don't think the Steelers are going to have a good game running the football because you didn't have a good game running the football against Buffalo, which is true. But at the same time, you know, I still feel like the Steelers are going to try to find ways to get this run game going because it was week one. You're still trying to figure a lot of things out. So I really do feel like Najee Harris is going to be in for a really big game. But if the Steelers cannot have success running the football, then you're going to have a lot of confidence in your defense of being able to stop the Steelers' offense if they have to beat you throwing the football because basically you're going to say, okay, JT, we're going to dare Big Ben at his age, pretty much playing in his last season as a Pittsburgh Steeler, to beat us. And if you're a Raiders fan, based on the performance that you had last week against the Ravens, you should feel that confident. But I do want to say one thing is that if you're a Raiders fan, you also got to take into context that the Steelers have a better group of wide receivers than the Baltimore Ravens do. You have Deontay Johnson, you have Juju Smith-Schuster, you have Chase Claypool. When it comes to Chase Claypool, you have to worry about the big play threat that he has. Deontay Johnson is more of the possession wide receiver. He's the guy who's going to keep the chains moving. Similar thing with Juju Smith. Schuster, Juju Smith-Schuster makes a lot of big catches on third down. So when you look at the Raiders, yeah, your defense may be a little bit improved, but 
don't think that just because you were really good against Baltimore that you're going to have that same success against Pittsburgh because Pittsburgh's offense, I think, is a little bit more talented than what Baltimore currently has right now. And they kind of have a similar, you know, problem when it comes to the offensive line. So although Baltimore is better when it comes to running the football, I think that Pittsburgh's a little bit more effective when it comes to throwing the football. And on top of that, Pittsburgh was matched up against a really good secondary in Buffalo. Is your secondary just as good as Buffalo with a guy like your Davis White? I don't really know. So, I mean, you do have Trayvon Mullen. I like him a lot. You do have Damon Arnett. But I really think that if you're a Raiders fan, you shouldn't be, you should be confident, but do not overlook the passing attack for Pittsburgh. If the offensive line can hold up and Big Ben gets enough time to throw the football, then he can do some damage because I do like the matchup of the Steelers wide receivers against this Raiders secondary. The question is, will Big Ben have enough time to throw the football to those wide receivers? Now, the biggest matchup that I'm going to be looking at is rookie offensive tackle Alex Leatherwood against TJ Watt. Now, I touched on Max Crosby. He has a favorable matchup also. But when you look at TJ Watt, he had two sacks last week. And I think Max Crosby had two sacks also. So Alex Leatherwood is a rookie offensive tackle. It's, it's really tough. You know, being a rookie in the NFL, having to be matched up against one of the best pass rushers, one of the best defensive players in the NFL, is going to be really tough. So I'm really intrigued in seeing how Alex Leatherwood performs in this game. Now, also, the Raiders' third down defense was phenomenal last week against Baltimore. Baltimore was 3-12 on third down versus this Raiders' defense. Pittsburgh didn't have a lot of success on third down last week against Buffalo. They were 4-12. So I'm wondering if the third down woes are going to continue for Pittsburgh. And will the third down defense for the Raiders continue to play outstanding like how they did last week against the Baltimore Ravens? Now, the team that I'm taking to win this game, I'm going to take the Pittsburgh Steelers to get the victory. I really feel like the Pittsburgh Steelers have the advantage up front when it comes to their defensive line versus the Las Vegas Raiders off the line with the injury concerns that the Raiders have on their off the line. And also, Raiders fans probably going to point out and be like, well, JT, your off the line isn't all that great neither, which I understand. But you also have to take into context that the Steelers defensive line is better than the Las Vegas Raiders defensive line, which is why I think that's a matchup that's going to be able to be exploited. So I think that this is going to be a really close game. I think the Pittsburgh Steelers sneak a victory out. I think they're going to win 24 to 20 is my final score prediction. I'm rolling with the Pittsburgh Steelers. The next game that we have to talk about, we have the New Orleans Saints going on the road to take on the Carolina Panthers. The Saints are going into this game as a three and a half point favorite. This game is going to kick off 1 p.m. Eastern time on Fox. Now, last week, the Saints came, they saw, and they conquered. They destroyed Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers 38 to 3. And the Carolina Panthers defeated the New York Jets 19 to 14. Now we kind of have a battle of narratives. Okay, you kind of have people coming into this game, and you got Panthers fans asking, okay, are the Saints really that good? Or did the Packers just struggle? And of course, a lot of Panthers fans are going to take 
the other option, you're going to say, you know, the Packers just really weren't all that good. You know, they kind of had week one rust. And if you are a Panthers fan who has that assumption, I will agree with it. I really do feel like the Packers were kind of off rhythm, you know, and they were trying to settle in and they suffered from week one rust, not taking anything away from the New Orleans Saints because my guy, Jameis Winston, balled out and he played really well. Also, the Saints have some injury concerns to some key starters. So, Marcus Davenport, don't know what's going to happen with him. A lot of people don't think that he's going to be able to play in this game. You also have Marshawn Lattimore. We don't really know his status when it comes to being able to play in this game. Senator Eric McCoy for the Saints. Don't really know if he's going to be able to go in this game. So, you have three big injuries. Now, when you look at the Marshawn Lattimore injury... Okay, he had like something happen to his thumb, I believe. So if he plays, he'll probably be playing with like a big cast over it. But if he doesn't play, I think that's going to be a huge loss because the secondary for New Orleans, at least when it came to corner, was a big issue. And I know a lot of Saints fans are going to be like, well, JTR secondary played well. Like the whole entire defense played well last week against Aaron Rodgers. And I do understand that. But at the same time, you do have to take into context that this is week one. Everybody's a little bit rusty. You have some teams who are still trying to get back into football shape so if you play Green Bay again are you going to tell me that you would beat Green Bay by the dominating fashion that you did if you were to play them again later on in the season I don't really think so you probably may still win the game but it wouldn't be you know as one-sided as what the week one matchup was so you have to take into context that week one everybody's still trying to get back into the rhythm of things everybody's still trying to get back into football form so I think the Eric McCoy injury is really interesting because New Orleans has one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. But when you look at Derrick Brown, I definitely feel like he could be a big key factor in this game, depending on what goes on with Eric McCoy, if he can play or if he isn't good to play in this game. So keep an eye out for that. Now, Jameis Winston balled out last week. And that simply wasn't no one-off occasion. And yes, we are really biased when it comes to Jameis Winston on here because I am a Jameis Winston fan. Now, Jameis Winston isn't going to come out and throw for five touchdowns every single week, but you really did see a new and improved Jameis Winston. There were a lot of opportunities when Jameis Winston had chances to force the ball and have, you know, the similar characteristics that he had back in Temple, but instead he opted to throw the ball out of bounds or he either checked it down. So when you look at Carolina... I think it's really in, interesting to see the wide receivers of New Orleans versus the Carolina Panthers secondary, especially when it comes to their cornerback matches, because I'm still not all that completely sold on the Saints wide receivers. And this is going to be the game that they come out and they show me, okay, JT, you should have confidence in us. I do like Jawan Johnson. You know, I do like a couple of wide receivers that they have, Callaway there, but I still need to see more because Green Bay secondary, at least when it comes to corner, is still kind of a Achilles heel that they had last year, which is why they ended up drafting Eric Stokes early in the first round of this past year's NFL draft. So, I'm really interested in seeing the matchup between the wide receivers of the Saints and the corners of Carolina. Now, we just can't gush over Jameis Winston's performance. Sam Darnold also had a really good performance last week against the New York Jets. Now, he didn't put up the stat line that 
Jameis Winston had, but he also did perform pretty well. But we also have to acknowledge that he was going against an inferior team. The New York Jets are not as good as the football team as the New Orleans Saints are. But I do feel like Sam Donald could have a really good game because, first of all, you have a safe secondary that a lot of people still don't have a lot of confidence in. So this is going to be a good opportunity for the New Orleans Saints secondary to come in and prove everybody wrong, especially if Marshawn Lattimore can't go. So you have Sam Donald, who has a really great group of wide receivers. You have Robbie Anderson, who's the big play threat, who can take the top off the defense over the top. You have DJ Moore. You also have Christian McCaffrey. You also have rookie Terrence Marshall. So there are a lot of weapons at the disposal of Sam Donald. Now, I don't know what the hell happened with Aaron Rodgers last week, but hopefully Sam Donald can have a better performance against this defense than what Aaron Rodgers had, because I'm just not going to come out on a limb and say that the New Orleans Saints defense is the best defense in the NFL okay I do think there was some ring rust there from the Packers and Aaron Rodgers on their part so I don't think this Saints defense is as good as what they were last week they may be a really good unit don't get me wrong but I'm not expecting this defense to play as well this week as what they did last week on top of that you do have to look at the fact that we don't know what's going to happen with Marcus Davenport we don't know what's going to happen with Marshawn Lattimore we don't know their status Quan Alexander also was listed on the injury report so so the Saints currently right now, we don't know the status of several key starters going into this game. So if you're a Panthers fan, you definitely should be confident in how your passing attack looks against the New Orleans Saints secondary. Now you do have guys like Desmond Trufant. You did trade for uh, Robbie something. I know uh, I can't uh, I can't I can't think of his name. I can't think of his name right now, but they traded for another cornerback named Robbie. His name's going to come to me a little bit later. I'm going to come back to it. But you still do have rookie Paulson, Audible. So, I mean, this same secondary still has a lot to prove when it comes to their cornerback position. And I think that this is going to be a good test for the New Orleans Saints going against a really solid passing attack, at least when it comes to a talent standpoint. And I do think Sam Darnold could have a really good game. Now, I've been seeing a lot of Carolina Panthers fans really happy about the performance that their defensive line had and their whole entire defense had when it came to getting six sacks on Zach Wilson. Now, you do have to take into context that the Jets don't really have a great off the line. On top of that, you were playing a rookie quarterback, so sometimes he tried to do a little bit too much with the football instead of getting away with it. Now, I don't think they're going to be able to replicate that six-tack performance against the New Orleans Saints, but I do feel like they could have some pressure up the middle because with the injury to Eric McCoy, that is really big. And even though the Saints off the line is really good, okay, outside the center line, they're stacked at guard, tackle spots, the center position is something that's really important because if you have a good center, you most of the time have a really good offensive line. And the reason for that is because the center is kind of like the quarterback of the offensive line. Okay, you get he, you know what I'm saying? Like he kind of directs people what to go, what's going on, and things like that. He's like the captain of the offensive line. So it's going to be really interesting when it see when it comes down to the communication of the offensive line for the New Orleans Saints if we don't see Eric McCoy suit up in this game. So the Carolina Panthers pass rush could have an impact in that department. But I'll 
also feel like not enough people are talking about, you know, the concerns that the Carolina Panthers have when it comes to their offensive line, okay? Because even without Eric McCoy, the Saints still have a top 10 off the line. Meanwhile, for the Carolina Panthers, their off the line was a huge question mark that a lot of Panthers fans had going into this year. So, that off the line played against New York Jets. And New York Jets don't really have any dynamic pass rushers there outside of Quentin Williams. So I think that the Saints pass rush could have a little bit of an impact. Even though they could be without Marcus Davenport, I still feel like this pass rush for New Orleans could pose to be a problem for Carolina. But another thing is going to be, okay, how are the Carolina Panthers going to fare on third down? Because last week, even though they won, they were 4 of 14 on third down. And when you think about Joe Brady, you know, Joe Brady is someone who has pretty efficient offenses. And they normally should be pretty good on third down. So they were 4 of 14 last week against the New York Jets. Meanwhile, you have a Saints defense that was phenomenal getting Aaron Rodgers and that Packers offense off the field on third down. That defense only allowed the Green Bay Packers to get one third down conversion out of 10 attempts so that's really phenomenal so when I look at that I think that's going to be really key because if Carolina can't be better this week on third down compared to what they were last week I think that could definitely be something that could pose uh, to have a lot of problems so the team I'm going to take to win this game I'm rolling with the New Orleans Saints now, I'm really, I was really close to taking Carolina to win the game. And even though the Saints do have some significant injuries, I feel like New Orleans is built for a shootout. And I'm, I'm going all in on my guy, Jameis Winston. My guy, Jameis Winston, has not let me down. I made a lot of money with my guy, Jameis Winston, over the last couple of years. And every time I pick Jameis Winston, he doesn't let me down. Now, I know that's not a good, you know, analysis of why I'm picking New Orleans to win the game. I know you guys probably want something better than that. But I really feel like when you look at New Orleans... Okay, you look at the fact that you have Sean Payton as off to corner. This offense is better with Jameis Winston at the helm at QB than what it was with Drew Brees because you are now able to stretch the field vertically. And even though I do have concerns about the wide receivers, if this off the line can hold up, even without Eric McCoy, that's going to give Jameis Winston more time to sit back and throw the football. It's going to give his wide receivers more time to get open. But also, Jameis Winston does have the mobility to be able to pick up a couple of yards if need be, like we saw last week. And when you look at the off the line for Carolina, you know, I'm still not really sold. I still really feel like the Saints could come in and get the upper hand on the off the line for the Carolina Panthers. So I'm taking the Saints to win this game. I think this game is going to be a shootout. I think the New Orleans pulls it off 38 to 27 is my final score prediction in this game. I'm taking New Orleans. Now we have to get to my game of the week. We have the Kansas City Chiefs who defeated the Cleveland Browns last week, 33-29, going on the road to take on the Baltimore Ravens who lost to the Las Vegas Raiders on Monday Night Football, 33-27. The Chiefs are going into this game as a three-and-a-half point favorite. This game is going to be played on Sunday Night Football, 8.20 p.m. Eastern Time kickoff on NBC. Now Kansas City has gotten the best of Baltimore and Lamar Jackson and their last two matchups, especially last year. The Chiefs played Lamar Jackson really well. He was 15 to 28 for 97 pass yards, one touchdown, 83 rushing yards, and one carry. Now, everybody's going to make this all about Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. 
That's not what's going to decide this game. What's going to decide this game is going to be the matchup on the sidelines. And you know, this is why you should subscribe to the channel if you're listening to this on YouTube, because you're not going to find this analysis anywhere else because nobody else is going to be talking about this. I put money. Nobody else is going to be talking about this. The matchup that's going to decide who wins and loses this game is going to be between defensive coordinator of Kansas City, Steve Sperry, Spagano versus offensive coordinator for Baltimore, Greg Roman. Now, Spagnola, Steve Spagnola, excuse me, has gotten the best of Greg Roman and the Ravens offense in their last couple of appearances. And the reason for that is because he is able to exploit the biggest weakness that a lot of Ravens fans have when it comes to the Greg Roman offense. And the reason why a lot of Ravens fans want Greg Roman gone is because Greg Roman is really good when it comes to getting the most out of the run game. But he's not really good when it comes to getting the most out of the passing game, which has been the biggest concern that Ravens fans have about Baltimore going into this year. On top of that, you don't have Rashad Bateman, who was your first overall selection this past year's NFL draft. So you really still don't know what you have when it comes to your wide receivers. So Steve Spagnuolo, what he does is he finds a way to bottle up this Baltimore Ravens rushing attack, including Lamar Jackson, and he forces Baltimore to have to beat Kansas City through the air and on top of that you also got to take into account that the off the line for Baltimore isn't as good this year as what it has been in the past on top of that you look at Charlie Villanueva he was awful last week Max Crosby got the best of him and I've been telling a lot of people this this is coming from a Steelers fan I've been telling people listen Villanueva is really good when it comes to run blocking but in pass protection, he switched cheese and that's what we saw last week so Kansas City plays Lamar really good Really good. Now, they don't shut down Lamar because Lamar Jackson is still going to get his. People have to understand that. But when it comes to the big plays and extending drives that we saw Lamar do last week on Monday night against the Las Vegas Raiders, the Kansas City Chiefs kind of neutralized those plays. So you probably get six, seven plays a game when Lamar Jackson's running around. He's extending drives. He's, you know, picking up 20, 15 yards with the legs. Against Kansas City, you probably only see two or three of those plays, which is really good when it comes to defending Lamar Jackson. So for the Ravens, this matchup is really going to be decided by if Greg Roman can, you know, outcoach Steve Spagnola because Steve Spagnola has gotten the most out of his defense every time they get matched up against Greg Roman. They have a really good game plan and it keeps working. And I don't really expect Steve Spagnola to really change up anything. He's probably going to try to do the similar things that he did last year when Baltimore played. Then the question is going to be, is Greg Roman going to be able to call the plays necessary to be able to get the most out of his offense and be able to outcoach Steve Spagnola? That is a really big matchup that a lot of people are not going to talk about. But I think this matchup between the defensive coordinator and the offensive coordinator is going to be the ultimatum in determining who's going to end up winning this game. And also, the Kansas City Chiefs also um, are really good against the Ravens defense. Andy Reid, 
uh, puts on a coaching clinic against this Baltimore Ravens defense. And Baltimore, although they do have some injuries, you know, Marcus Peters went down for the season. You also don't really know if Jimmy Smith is going to be able to go. But the Ravens do have a lot of depth at corner. And I don't really feel like Baltimore secondary played bad last week. I know when you look at the stats, you're going to say, well, JT, Derek Carr had a really good performance, in which he did. But at the same time, you know, Darren Waller took up a big chunk of that. I feel like the cornerbacks played really well against the Raiders wide receivers. But at the same time, the Kansas City Chiefs are a different animal, okay? And one thing that Baltimore really struggles with when it comes to playing Kansas City is being able to limit the biggest explosive plays that Kansas City has in the passing game. If you're going to beat Kansas City, you can't allow them to get behind you. And that's something that Baltimore kind of struggles with when it comes to Kansas City. And that's because Baltimore is a team that is really physical, you know. And when you have this physical style, you know, it can either play really well against Kansas City or it can cost you. So when you look at Kansas City, they have a lot of success in getting big chunk plays against Baltimore. So if you're a Baltimore, what's going to be the, you know, the strategy from defensive coordinator Martindale? Okay, what is he going to do? What is he going to do differently? Okay, I don't really know if the Baltimore Ravens pass rush is going to be able to get a lot of pressure on Patrick Mahomes to be real with you when you look at how improved this off the line is this year compared to last year. And I say this every single time I talk about Kansas City, I find it funny how it only took Kansas City one game in the Super Bowl for them to go ahead and assemble the offensive line of the Avengers essentially they essentially have the Avengers of the off the line including Orlando Brown which I don't know why the Raiders would trade him to Kansas City knowing that you're going to be playing Kansas City this year but hey you got to get what you can get in compensation for him not not knocking the trade there but I'm just saying you know this off the line for Kansas City looks like it can handle itself against the defensive line of Baltimore so for Baltimore here's what you have to do to be able to beat Kansas City. First of all, you're going to have to get something out of your passing attack. And it's not going to be Lamar Jackson because I don't question Lamar Jackson's ability as a passer. What I'm questioning is going to be the play calling. Is the play calling going to be there to get the most out of these wide receivers? Is the play calling for Greg Roman going to be able to put these wide receivers in a situation to succeed? And are these wide receivers going to be able to create separation? So we're going to need big games out of Marquise Brown. We're going to need a big game out of Sammy Watkins, which Sammy Watkins had a really good game last week against the Las Vegas Raiders. And I think that Sammy Watkins is a key X factor for this Ravens offense going into this game, okay? Because I told everybody, I said that I feel like Sammy Watkins may be the most underrated free agency signing from the free agency period and the reason for that is because the Ravens have a really young group of wide receivers you have two rookies and Tylen Wallace and um Rashad Bateman you also have Marquise Brown who's still you know he's a little bit of a vet but you know he's still on the younger side of things you have Sammy Watkins somebody who's been around the block he's been in the NFL for a very long time and I really feel like they're going to need him to step up and not only be that veteran presence for this wide receivers but they're also going to need him to step up and be that true number one option in this game because as we know I've said it several times I'm gonna say it again Marquise Brown is not a number one wide receiver Marquise Brown is a Robin not a Batman he's really good when you have another complimentary piece on the opposite side of them and they need Sammy Watkins to be that they need Sammy Watkins to be that go-to guy they need him to get open consistently because if he can get open consistently then that helps out the offense entirely now you still do have to worry about you know the tight ends that Baltimore possesses Mark Andrews and stuff like that he's also going to be really big also but overall 
Another thing that they're going to have to be able to do is, you know, Baltimore still has to play this game. You know, they're still going to be able to play and do what they do best. Okay, because like one thing that Steve um, Spagnola does really well is that he forces the Baltimore Ravens off their game plan. The Ravens, every time they play Kansas City, they have to win this game unconventionally Baltimore doesn't want to win games having to throw the football 30 plus times to beat you or 30 to 40 times they want to win this game being able to run the ball down your throat they want to be able to control time possession they want to be able to be the more physical team and the last couple of times these two teams have matched up Kansas City has been the more physically dominating team so for Baltimore you're gonna have to get physical up front you can't let Kansas City continue to push you around like they have done in their previous couple of matchups. So the biggest thing is going to be limiting the big plays in the passing game, being physical up front, and still finding ways to still play your style of football. Because yeah, you're still going to have to be able to make some key passes to win this game, but you cannot allow Kansas City to throw you off your game plan and throw you off what you do best. Because at the end of the day, Baltimore still is known for being a running power football team. And I do feel like they need to give Taysom Williams more carries. He didn't really have that many carries last week, but he did have 65 rushing yards and 7.2 yards per carry and one touchdown. And when they were talking about Taysom Williams, um, they said that they asked Greg Roman about him and Greg Roman likes him a lot. So show us that you like him a lot. Give him more carries. So I really think that it's really important that Baltimore finds ways to be effective, not only throwing the football, but still find a way to play their style of football because Steve Spagnola normally gets the best of Greg Roman. And on top of that, the off the line is still really concerning to me when you look at Baltimore. So I'm going to take Kansas City to win this game. Um... I don't really know Baltimore is going to be able to do enough in the passing game because we know what Steve Spagnola is going to do. He's going to force Baltimore to have to beat them through the air. And I'm not saying this because I don't trust Lamar Jackson. I simply don't think that Greg Roman is going to be able to get the job done. I don't trust Greg Roman. So I'm taking the Chiefs to win this game. 34 to 20 is my final score prediction in this game. I think Baltimore is going to put up some points, but I think that we could see Baltimore's offense struggle once again. I don't really know if Greg Roman is going to be able to get this passing game going. And I know a lot of Rams fans can be like, oh, yeah, we're going to get the passing game going. But you also got to understand something. You're asking Greg Roman to do something that isn't really, you know, in his characteristics. He's not known for being a passing game coordinator. He's not known for getting the most out of the passing game. He's known for running the football. And I I don't know if Baltimore is going to be able to do it against Kansas City. And I don't know if they're going to be able to have the success necessary through the air to be able to win this game. And a lot of people are going to be like, we're playing that home. You know, it's going to be sold out and things like that. Um, Teams who played at home in week one last week had losing records. As a matter of fact, the away team was better than the home team. Just to point that out there. The last game we have to talk about, we have the 0-1 Dallas Cowboys who were defeated by the Tempe Buccaneers 31-29, taking on the Los Angeles Chargers on the road in L.A. The Chargers defeated Washington last week 20-16. This game is going to be played 4.25 p.m. Eastern Time on Sunday on CBS. The Chargers going to this game as a three-point favorite. Now, Brandon Staley had a really good head coaching debut. They got a pretty good win against Washington. And his defense played pretty well. 
But this is going to be a good early test just to see just how well Brandon Staley's defense is because Washington's offense really isn't a team as that's a good benchmark to test yourself against because, first of all, they don't have Curtis Samuel and don't really have a lot of great playmakers. But you do have to give them props. They did play fairly well. But I want to see how this defense plays against a Dallas Cowboys offense that's really good when it comes to being able to throw the football against you because even though you're going to be a foul, Michael Gallup, you still do have Amari Cooper who had a phenomenal game. I was playing against somebody in one of my fantasy football leagues who had Amari Cooper, and he lit me up. You got C.D. Lamb. You're going to have Cedric Wilson in replace of Michael Gallup, who I have a lot of confidence in. I think he's going to be a guy who steps up and be and becomes that third wide receiver if Michael Gallup ends up leaving Dallas in free agency in the offseason. So you're going to have a pretty good test, but Dallas still does have some concerns when it comes to off the line. You got suspensions. You still have injuries there. So that could be a factor. So for Dallas, I want to see if Mike McCarthy is going to feed Zeke. Okay, is he going to continue to just be this all air raid, you know, style coach and not really put a lot of emphasis on the run game? Because that's something that a lot of Packers fans pointed out when they hired them. They said, okay, well, you, you got Zeke, but, you know, Mike McCarthy's not going to use him because Mike McCarthy is somebody who likes to throw the football. You need to give Zeke more carries. Like last year, I think Zeke only had like four carries going into halftime of last week's game, and that simply is inexcusable. There's no excuse for why Ezekiel Elliott should have 11 carries for 33 yards when you're paying him the money that you're paying him. Like, give Ezekiel Elliott more fucking touches. It doesn't make no damn sense. You got Ezekiel Elliott. Feed Zeke. Ezekiel Elliott needs 20 touches. And it doesn't even have to be on run plays. You know, just give Ezekiel Elliott the football, man. Like, it doesn't make no damn sense. Why why are you going to pay this man all this money and you're not going to freaking use him? Seriously. Mike McCarthy, like, what the hell? Give Ezekiel Elliott the damn ball. And on top of that, I feel like if Dallas has to win this game throwing the football, they can. But, I mean, I still feel like Dallas will be at their best when they're able to be balanced. On top of that, what's going on with the kicking situation for Dallas? Like, Greg Zerline costed Dallas last week. He was 3 of 5. He missed some key field goals. There's some rumors out there that Dallas is going to sign or has signed another kicker to push Greg Zerline. But we'll see if that's going to hold true. So, there's a saying. I forgot which coach said that. But he said that kicker... Having a good kicker is the difference between being a great head coach and being unemployed. If you don't have a good kicker, you're going to end up out of a job. And for Mike McCarthy right now, it looks like he may be out of a job if he can't get this kicking situation situated. On top of that, I feel like Dallas, if they could be more effective running the football for Ezekiel Elliott, they could be really good inside of the red zone. So I really feel like they need to get Ezekiel Elliott going in this game. Now I want to see how the Dallas Cowboys wide receivers are going to perform against the cornerbacks of the LA Chargers because this is a very good matchup. You know, Michael Davis, Asante Samuel Jr., the rookie, out of FSU and you have Chris Harris Jr. going against Lamar Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, and Cedric Wilson. I think that's a pretty exciting matchup to watch. And on top of that, you know, you got Joey Bosa coming off the edge. So I think that's going to be really important to monitor as well. So, I mean, when you look at the off-the-line situation for Dallas, I think it could cause some problems there, which is why I think it's really important for the Dallas Cowboys to maintain their ability to be balanced. On top of that, I'm wondering about the Dallas Cowboys pass rush because... 
um, before I started recording, there was a report that came out and said that Demarcus Lawrence is battling an injury. He may not be able to play in this game. So you look at the fact that the Dallas Cowboys had no sacks on Tom Brady last week. And you look at the fact that Demarcus Lawrence was really the only guy defensively who was actually, you know, getting consistent pressure. He just wasn't able to get his hands on Tom Brady. So I'm really concerned about the pass rush for Dallas in this game. And Dallas already has issues at cornerback. And we're not talking about Trayvon Diggs. Trayvon Diggs is fine. We're talking about their cornerback two spot with Anthony Brown because there were a lot of Dallas Cowboy fans. A lot of you guys were heavily vocal on Anthony Brown's performance against Tampa Bay. So it doesn't look like anything has really changed when it comes to secondary play for Dallas. It's still a huge issue. So a way that you help out a struggling secondary is by being able to have an effective pass rush. Because if you have an effective pass rush, then your cornerbacks don't have to be in coverage for all that long. Another issue is going to be, okay, how are the Dallas Cowboys going to defend Austin Eckler? Because Austin Eckler is a dual threat running back, which is something that the Dallas Cowboys have had problems against in the past. Now, last week, he didn't really have that much of an impact in the past game he had no receptions no receiving yards but he did have 15 carries for 57 rushing yards so it's going to be really interesting to see how this Dallas Cowboys defense defends him because you have a lot of talented linebackers okay don't really know what you're doing with Keanu Neal but I mean you do have guys who could end up being really good against Austin Eckler you do have the talent there the question is is the coaching going to be there is Dan Quinn going to be able to get these guys in the proper position now for the Chargers Okay, you're off the line played really good, especially against Washington. Okay, you look at Rashawn Slater. I saw like a crazy number. He was on the field for like a lot of pass. I think it was like 40 passing uh, attempts. And he allowed zero pressures and no sacks. And he was going against Chase Young. Remind you, one of the best young and up-and-coming pass rushers that we have in the NFL. And he held his own. He showed everybody why he was the first-round pick. And there were a lot of people who remember said that Rashawn Slater was better than Penay Sewell. So, Rayshon Slater was really good. So, you look at a really improved offensive line for the Los Angeles Chargers. I think that Justin Herbert is going to go off this game. I think there's going to be a lot of big plays in the passing game. And you already look at the fact that the Dallas Cowboys are probably going to be about their best pass rusher in the Marcus Lawrence. We don't know what the status of him is going to be going into this game. I think the Chargers are going to have a lot of big plays in the passing game. And I think this is a game that could end up being a shootout. Now, if you're a Chargers fan, you're hoping that this game isn't a shootout because, I mean, Brandon Staley was known for his defense. You know, he's a defensive-minded coach, so therefore the Dallas Cowboys should not be, you know, going tit-for-tack with you. But if that game ends up going that way, then I really do still feel like the Chargers can win this game. But ultimately, I'm still going to side with the Chargers to win. I think they win this game 35-24. Um, I'm confident in Brandon Staley's defense. I feel like his defense is going to have a really good game. Dallas does have some injury concerns when it comes to the offensive line. Lyle Collins is suspended for a couple of games. So I really feel like the pass rush for the Chargers could hit home. And Dallas, Dallas is going to have, you know, a solid game from Dak. You know, Dak is going to play really good. But ultimately, you know, I feel like the Chargers are going to be able to get a lot of chunk yardage on this Dallas Cowboys defense. And if you look at at Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay probably could have put up way more points if they didn't have, you know, so many turnovers. They turned the football over four times, pretty much three times if you're not including that halftime interception that um, Tom Brady threw when they, he pretty much threw a Hail Mary. So when you look at, you know, Dallas, for them to win this game, they're going to have to force some turnovers. 
I don't really know if they're going to be able to do that. I don't really trust their secondary. I think Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Jalen Guyton are going to have big days against this Dallas Cowboys secondary. Outside of Trayvon Diggs, not really sold on their corners. And also, my guy Kevin Joseph, you know, he's not playing. So, you know, I think that this is going to be a game that Justin Herbert goes off. And I think that the Chargers are going to end up pulling off the win. So, I'm taking the Los Angeles Chargers to win. You guys let me know who you guys have winning this game down in the comment section down below. And this is it for this episode of the JT Sports Podcast. Uh, make sure that you leave a five-star review if you enjoyed this episode. And I will be back shortly with some more Week 2 NFL previews and predictions.